Betches Media presents Betches Moms with hosts Aileen Drexler and Brittany Levine. Get ready to lock yourself in the bathroom or wherever else you hide from your kids because you'll literally never be alone again. Hi, and welcome to the Betches Moms podcast. I'm Brittany. And I'm Aileen. <laughs> did we forget how to do this? Uh-huh, we did. We did. What's up? I'm Aileen. As you can tell, Aileen is back for part two of her postpartum experience. Last week, we spoke about Aileen's birth story and the difficulties of breastfeeding. So if you haven't listened to that one yet, definitely listen to that first and then come back to this one. Definitely. I feel like the response to that episode has been like, I didn't expect so many people to just be like, oh my God, me too. Like I had the exact same experience, not even just yeah. like I had struggles, struggle. I had struggles breastfeeding. It was like, I had the exact same struggles breastfeeding. I had the bilirubin and then the, the latching problems. I also had a breast reduction and I wasn't sure what was go- like literally all of the same issues. And you yeah. and I talk a lot about like stopping breastfeeding yeah, and like the anxiety that comes with it. And so many people brought that up and even just saying like, I wish I had stopped sooner. And like, I wish someone gave me the permission to stop sooner. And like hearing that you did it made me feel like it was okay. Like that kind of stuff was mind blowing to me because yeah. I felt so alone in it. And yet learning so many people kind of had the same experience. It was it was just nice. It was nice to hear, even though I don't want to hear what people are struggling. <laughs> right. Of course not. But this whole experience feels very isolating. So people don't want to talk about it because they think they're the only one going through this and other people won't understand. But it goes to show that community makes us stronger in this. And we posted some of this on our stories just to show how strong the community is and how nice it is to know that you you could talk to essentially strangers and yeah. feel like you have this connection because it's to know that like this really intense experience is also shared by somebody else and you can relate. For sure. It made me think about the whole postpartum experience and that like even when you right after you have a baby, you really just want to be alone. But it is really helpful to to speak to people and to like get some perspective and sort of just get out of that hole. But despite knowing that, you still really like crave that hole. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I wow, that's what she said. But I, you just really crave being in that like cave of like aloneness and just like, sort of like when you listen to sad songs when you're sad, it just, it you you kind of crave that feeling. And despite that, like, I almost feel like virtually, like getting that comfort virtually, like from other people, you don't have to see anyone, but you can hear about other people's experiences. It's like a great in between. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think agreed to a certain point. Like I definitely felt that way more with Oliver, but because there was no COVID and my, my house was a revolving door. Mm-hmm. Where it was like nice that there was COVID this time around and nobody <laughs> could come over. Yeah. And so I guess I didn't like feel it as much because I didn't have to feel it as much. Mm-hmm. 
you're saying you're saying the revolving door gave you it was like too much it was so it was too much for me i was giving people like time limits i was like you could come over for like a half hour and then you have to leave I think that that like we need that needs to be a hundred percent normalized. Like, I I agree a hundred percent, and I I felt bad doing like I, towards towards like sort of a little bit longer. I was like short visits, short visits only. Even though you you want to feel alone, you feel like the whole thing is isolating. So it, it's not helpful to be alone. But you all you want to do is be just you and your baby and. Our, um, our, our joint baby nurse told me that in Jamaican culture, um, the first two weeks, you're nodding like she told you. She the told first me the same thing. two yeah. weeks, <laughs> no one is allowed over. Like not even family. It's about the mom and the baby connecting and nothing else. But here it's like anyone can come. And But at the same time, it is nice because you get a break. You get to sort of like peek out into the the world yeah i think there's there's a happy medium right and what i'm saying is that i think the happy there is a nice it's nice to sort of connect virtually definitely but it's, i don't want to say like great like let's go into the metaverse <laughs> well that's a whole other other thing <laughs> reading but, that was depressing i know i know i know but anyway i was it was great to hear like that sort of I wasn't alone in it and that other people sort of felt that way by listening to the story. And yeah. also I was surprised to hear that a lot of people had a similar birth story experience. Mm, yes. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy because I always feel like every person I spoke speak to, they're like, I mean, like not everyone does three or four hours, but they're like max two hours. Yeah. But they were saying like, like the nurse situation and sometimes they were pushing by themselves oh. and like things like hospital related similarities and i was like got it interesting that is interesting especially because like that wasn't such a pleasant experience like that no. shouldn't be happening so often no it wasn't um i also do want to say some people were like oh you scared the shit out of me <laughs> and i want to say that I said, oh, no, like when people message me like, oh, I'm a little scared. now." <laughs> I was like, I'm so <laughs> sorry. I'm so sorry. My, I really didn't want to scare you. I just if this comforts you at all, like despite the experience being like a whirlwind scare, sound scary. I wasn't scared at any point. Like it wasn't I wasn't afraid. It was just you go into this intense like it's not survival mode, but like I have no choice mode and we're just going to get this out and that's it. I think that that's actually um, a great perspective to put it into. Like you, it's a very intense experience, but you're not, you're, there's never a point where you're scared. Right. This is speaking from coming from like a situation where it was a healthy birth. Absolutely. And like, I know I said this on like the other one because I, this is definitely like a, a singular opinion, but like you, for the most part, like you're not scared. You're just, you might be in pain, but there's also, there's a lot of excitement. You have this adrenaline going, like, you're like, I could do this. Like, you kind of just have this outer body experience where you just become a really strong version of yourself. I absolutely agree. I feel a lot stronger coming out of it because there's points where you're just like, I want to give up, but you don't give up. You you have to keep going. Exactly. You can't. And then at the end, you get a baby. Right. 
again i totally agree with you this is like (laughs) from a singular experience my personal experience Brittany speaking from her personal experience when it relates to the to the story i told it sounded scary coming from retelling it but it i wasn't scared so i hope that brings comfort i think the whole point is like you never know what to expect. Mm-hmm. Like shit can fly towards <laughs> you in any direction. It's it's important to have some advocates, I think, in the room. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's that's I think that's what I kind of learned from it. But yeah, yeah, I think that's great advice to have advocates in the room. So, you know, talking a little bit about, you know, having people come over and, you know, you wanted to be alone with the baby, like, how does that make you feel about your mental health and how have you been maintaining that? Um, you know, <laughs> anytime anybody <laughs> asks <do>. me, <laughs> uh, right, exactly. <laughs> you know, like anytime anybody asks me, like, how are you feeling? Uh, I never want to be like, I'm good. Like, I don't yeah. want to say I'm good. Like, I'm okay. You know, I'm fine. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we're fine. Right. I think that there's definitely like a lot of ups and downs and, and that's what they tell you is like the hormones sort of are a roller coaster. But I, I, and I have figured I ha, you and I have anxiety. We're anxious mm-hmm. people. Another funny thing that our nurse <laughs> said, like, it's like, you guys have a lot of anxiety. <laughs> She said we both do? No, she was like, a lot of Americans have a lot of anxiety. And and I was like, well, it's nice to have someone here that doesn't, you know? Yeah, she was so chill. Chill I have. Um, Anyway, so I know that I have have some anxiety. (laughs) Rusty might say I have more than I think that I do. But I found it manifesting itself in ways like like seeing people like it's this you know I feel like a panic comes and I don't know what it is maybe it's like a lot of body image stuff sort of coming to light me like I don't want people to see me but I also don't want people I don't want to have to like also there's still COVID going on so like yeah there's that aspect like I don't want to have to deal with saying no to people um but I think it mostly manifests itself in like not wanting to, it's really hard to leave the house. And I think that's pretty common from what I've heard. But I have like, and I live in the suburbs, so a car is like the way you get around except for, you know, like the little walks around your neighborhood, which is really as far as I've gotten so far. <laughs> and the pediatrician, which is really close by. Um, I did drive her myself although rusty was in the car i asked him i was like this is something i'm so terrified of what i need for you is to come with me somewhere but i need to do all of the work i need to pretend like you're not here but i need you to be there so if anybody wants like a way to do it like it really did help me and he like tried to pick her up in the like from from soup to nuts i was like i need to put her in the car seat because I hated doing that because they had little yeah. bones <laughs> like no. strapped in, like tightening it. was, And then you know you have to tighten it. It's just, I hated that. But he like picked up the car seat. I was like, no, put her down. <laughs> I'm doing it. I'm carrying it all the way. I'm opening the door myself, like all of that. But it's definitely really hard to leave the house. And my mom offered one time, she's like, why don't I like take her to a park? I go, a park? 
what park? <laughs> She's like, she you know, on the swing. <laughs> I'm like, what park? She's like, you know, what park, you know, like uh, a nice park. We'll stroll her. I'm like, I literally exclaimed by car. <laughs> and she was like, oh boy. She's like, yeah, by car. I'm like, no, like, no, I'm not ready. She's like, you don't yeah. have to come. I'm like, exactly. <laughs> I'm not ready for you guys to be driving her anywhere. I could barely drive her. I only trust Ross to drive. Right. So, and that's like, it's it's not that rational, but it's real to me. And do you have, did you experience that? Yeah, it's not irrational. I, I remember um, with Oliver, the first week I didn't leave my house. Oh, yeah. And I remember my baby nurse at the time being like, you need to like go on a walk. She's like, why don't we go on a walk? And like, I definitely felt that more with him with, and I said this on my on past episodes that with Jack, I like was like, couldn't wait to get out with him. So like that right. part of the anxiety wasn't it for me this time. Um, and the whole driving thing also with Oliver, I remember the first time I had to drive him to a doctor's appointment by myself. And my doctor was literally down the block. Mm -hmm. I was going to vomit the entire way there. Mm -hmm. And then forget it, getting on a highway for the first time. No, 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 no. Out of control. Um, But (laughs) yeah, I think that, I I feel like that has to be common. I feel like. I think so. I would assume most people feel that way. Getting into a car with your newborn. Because you no longer have full control. No. I do have to say when I was doing it though, I felt okay. Like I think it was just the just the, the actions and like just doing them. Yeah. Gives you that peace of mind that you can do it. Put thing, things in place that you need, like that mirror on the back seat and like mm-hmm. drive slowly and just plan out your route in advance and like things like that. Route. <laughs> route. <laughs> um but yeah, when you talk about the highway, like, yeah, no. But I do have to say, my there's two separate things. Like, you getting out of the house and you going out with the baby are separate. I don't have that much anxiety, really, to leave myself. Like, uh-huh. I've gone to get a manicure, which is amazing, by the way. Amazing. That was the best. Getting my pedicure. I've never... I'm never taking that experience for granted again. <laughs> I, I agree. That's every single time I go get a manicure, pedicure now... I'm like, I used to hate it it's and the now best. <laughs> the best. I'm like, please give me the longest pedicure possible. Yes. I'm going today and I'm so excited. Oh, jealous. Callous so removal. Too. Amazing. <laughs> we, here we come. Um, but still I have not, and she's 10 weeks. I still have not taken her like anywhere besides the doctor. And we were going to go maybe out to the Hamptons as like sort of a middle ground it's only like an hour away but then it was raining so we didn't end up going and then also the the packing of the things that you need to go somewhere overnight was i was like i need to make a list oh my god yeah. i was texting shira i'm like what what do i need what do i have she's like there she's like there is a travel bassinet and she i'm like where do they sleep she goes in the travel bassinet i'm like how do you pack it up? She's like, it is a travel bassinet. <laughs> you, she, I was like, oh, you're literally saying the words. Tra-. Like, I'm not listening because it's such right. a panic. Right. <laughs> I, I literally texted her, go, oh, travel bassinet. Like, it wasn't, she was like speaking another language. And then I finally learned it, you know? 
But yeah, so I still have to do that. But it is really hard. Speaking of anxiety is like Instagram on the flip side is difficult because you see people like I've I know people who have also recently given birth and I see them like meeting up with friends in the city and like they have their babies and like they're taking pictures with their babies together. And I'm like, how are you doing this? Aren't you panicked that they're going to like, I don't know. (laughs) I think that's where your anxiety is manifesting. I just try to like understand like what it is that I'm afraid of. It's like the scream crying, I think is like a fear. But yeah. I guess sometimes the more that it happens, like the more you become okay with it. Mm-hmm. Um, like I just, I don't know what it is. I'm not like really afraid of what other people think because I know that's a thing. It's just- That doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter. I just, like, you know, when you take them out. Yeah. I just don't want to, I just would rather like the comfort of my home. <laughs> I don't I, blame you. Yeah. I've like become more agoraphobic like now than like in the pandemic, <laughs> like the, the, the thick of the pandemic. Um. That's one side of the anxiety. Yeah. And that makes total sense. Like I don't – I think it makes sense why you feel that way, especially with everything going on in the outside world. Another one (laughs) is I think in general like people – you know, people talk about PPA, PPD, but the the sleep deprivation is like – is the main culprit of so many like feelings of down. It must be because it's – it's – it's – it's deprivation. I mean, it is, it's a feeling of torture. Um, the hardest point, and I'm going to share this. It's very like, it was a darker moment for me, but I hope if anybody else is feeling this way, maybe that'll make them feel better. Like at around eight weeks, they go through like a developmental phase, like eight to nine weeks. And I knew this because I, I mean, I talked to friends and also there's this app that wonder weeks app that tells you, like the leaps that they go through, the developmental leaps and like the yeah. um, the symptoms of them, like to know what to look out for. It doesn't make it any easier, but it's <laughs> it's n- nice to know that it's happening. I feel like it gives you light at the end of the tunnel because, and I, I have the Wonder Weeks and I had it for both kids and I think it's so accurate. Mm-hmm. And literally I'll be like, it's nice to look at something and be like, oh, they're going through a leap right now, this will be over in three days. Yeah. So the eight-week one is like about two weeks. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the four-month one has been a month, so. Yeah, no, I'm not <laughs> looking forward to that. I was like, uh, I don't want to talk about that yet. <laughs> we'll talk about that after. Yeah. But it was like a time when also it converged with Rusty going back to work and having like a really long shift like many, many days in a row, like shifts and he needs to wake up at like 4.30 and he comes home at like eight. So I'm like, you can't sleep in this bed. You have to go to work. We have a guest room. I made him sleep in the guest room. I'm like, you have to show up to work. I don't want you to get into a car accident. None of those things. It's not safe for anyone. You literally have to take care of people when you get to work. So it's just sort of me and this kid. (laughs) And it felt like there was like one particular night of just like she would or a per- after a few nights of like waking up every hour, taking 30 minutes to go back to sleep. There's just no sleeping. Every time you hit the, your pillow, they just know. And then they wake right up. And it's just, it feels like, you know, it's, it's a test. <laughs> and one night it was just like, I just had a full breakdown. And it was just like this feeling of like, 
what did I sign up for? <laughs> it was like, why did I do this to myself? This is never going to end. But it, Rusty, it was thankfully at the time that Rusty was leaving for work. So, but it was still in the middle of the night. Right. And he like gave me a hug and, and I felt okay because the next day it was like, it was a new day. It was all right. But it was, it wasn't, it wasn't a great feeling, but now coming out of it and having experienced it, I don't know if I have like a little PTSD from it because now anytime like I go into a night, <laughs> it's like, what? We don't know what we're going to experience today. Yeah. Like, it's like a, you have to surrender almost mm-hmm. because you don't know what's going to happen. She's either going to be sleep, have a great night's sleep, or she's going to, you know, wake up all the time. Right. And, but now that I've sort of surrendered to it, I feel a lot better. Mm-hmm. But that particular time, like I was not expecting because it was just like all of the things converging, like so much sleep deprivation, being alone, not really. And But I did have help during the day. Like my mom would come a lot. I, I, I wrote a, during that time, I wrote a list of or maybe like a little bit a list of wins that helped me get through that, like things that I've done that. I'm proud of myself for. And one of them is like learning to ask for help, which is I never really asked for help before this. Mm-hmm. And like, cause I thought, oh, you know, you're so strong. You could do anything by yourself. Right. Right. No, <laughs> you need, you need help. You need help. And you know what? This is not to cut you off, but another thing that Renee, our shared mm-hmm. baby nurse had said to me was in her culture you don't do it alone. You have your grandparents, your your grandma, your mother, you're all living in the same house right. and they help you raise your child. And that's how the culture is. And that's how it should be. I think that's how it's meant to be. You yeah. can't raise a kid on your own. It takes a village. That's what it they- It literally takes a village. And I'm so grateful that like- that I had like my mom come, she would clean, like she was like, you don't have a, because sw- also I just moved into a house. <laughs> I I lost things in the mix. I didn't have, I yeah. don't have like Tupperware. Like I don't have a Swiffer. And it was sort of, <laughs> my mom like went, she was like, every time she came here, she was like, okay, I need to buy you this thing. And then like my dad and his um, fiance would come and like they would cook for me and they would clean. And it was just, if. I sort of also surrendered to that because if it had been in any other situation, I'd be like, no, no, don't worry. Like, I'm fine. And then I would like struggle. But I'd actually been like, yeah. And I would just sit there while they cleaned and I was totally fine with it. I was like, yeah, yeah, you forgot a spot. <laughs> like, <what? laughs> That's amazing. I mean, I, I wish my parents came over and cleaned. I think it it's a Russian, a Russian Jewish thing is like that they... They just, they all come, they they come in and they, they do things and they cook for you and they bring the food and they, and they clean your house and they buy things for you. And I like really appreciate it so much, so much. And then That's also, amazing. like I said in the other podcast, in the other episode, like the texts from friends, friends I have, I'm not that close with friends that I haven't spoken to in so long, you know, just like connecting that way also yeah. helped really good yeah do do you think that um you're at a point where you want to speak to somebody like 
do you think that would help you? Yeah, a hundred percent. I'm trying to look for a really good therapist that's not a billion dollars. I am too. So when you find that person, let me know. A hundred percent. Yes. I'm not you, even kidding. You're looking for someone right now, right? Yes. It's so hard. It's literally like finding. How a are husband. you? How are you? <laughs> no, I know. How are you feeling? Um, I mean, I've been better. Like, I think it's funny because if you, I like think about a couple of our conversations in the past couple of months from when I first had Jack to the conversation I had with Shira a couple of weeks ago and just like checking in with myself. Mm-hmm. And um, I've had this just like roller coaster of anxiety where I'm like one week I'm okay and then one week I'm not. Mm-hmm. And um, and then I went through a period of time where like I think it was like right after the conversation that we had where I was like, oh, my anxiety went away. And Mm -hmm. for like a month, I had like crippling anxiety from like the time of, um, you know, like dinner time started until I went to sleep at night. And I found myself even like wanting to drink wine every night. Mm -hmm. And I kept thinking to myself, like, is this like going to give me like, am I going to start like with a problem here? Because I mean, I'm not saying that I have a problem. I'm just saying like, I really was just trying to like cover it up with something because I was like, I I never felt like that before. And then that's kind of also where like my breastfeeding spiraled because I'm like, I felt and I still feel this way. Like every time I have to pump before I go to bed, I get this like wave of like anxiety and I'm like, I can't do this anymore. And I've spoken to you about this where I'm like, I need to stop. I need to stop. Mm -hmm. and um actually last night and I you know I go back and forth but um last night I tried I had a pump and I tried to nurse Jack a little bit and then I had like a formula bottle ready and I was like I'm just gonna nurse him a little bit also and just kind of like because that's like I know what I'm gonna miss like I'm gonna miss like the actual like nursing part of it even though I don't do it frequently but I agree yeah he like wouldn't latch at all and he was freaking out he was so hungry and I was like okay I'm like he's done like we're done and like that was almost like a relief for me and then when I had to like go back to my room and then pump I had this like anxiety again of like I still have to do this yeah and I just think that has it's like a lot of it has to do with each other and I'm sure there's also like all the hormones involved like have a lot to do with it so it's definitely been like an uphill battle for me a little bit, uh, more so than with Oliver. But um, like knowing that like, you know, being able to talk to you and like knowing that you're going through maybe not the exact same thing, but, you know, feeling similar things. It's like nice to talk to somebody who also, like we were just saying, like having that conversation because you know you're not alone in that. And so I, like I, for so long, uh, Noah was like, you have to speak to somebody. You have to speak to somebody. I'm like, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. And like, I finally like gave into it. So yeah. Did you start talking to someone or you're looking? I'm looking. I started this um, holistic. So I really don't want to go on medication. I've been on medication before and I don't want to um, where, so it's like this holistic type of doctor and basically they check your blood and like different right. things for um, like deficiencies in vitamins and hormones, et cetera. And they kind of do more of like a holistic therapy in that sense where it makes sure you're eating the right things. Um, you're reducing inflammation because inflammation could also increase your anxieties. And yeah. so I also want to see like how that helps me. But 
I I do need to speak to somebody because I think that's part of it. Yeah. And like unpacking like what you're feeling and why it's so hard yeah. to stop, which yeah. I totally agree with you. And I I texted you. I was like, were you the one to t- tell me about the anxiety about when you're breastfeeding? Like that that feeling and like that down like or the, the flutter yeah. and then the down of like somebody's pulling you and you were like, yes, that was me. <laughs> Deemer. <laughs> Deemer. <laughs> and I was like, I feel that too. It's it almost felt like like I was having this this PTSD feeling of when I would have struggle breastfeeding before and it was like coming back and it was reminders like I already decided I'm stopping but now I have to wean and now every time I pump I have to remember yeah this is a reminder like you're saying like I'm done but now I have to keep pumping and it's a yeah. reminder that like I'm stopping and I'm maybe I'm doing and makes you question yourself like question your decision and yeah everything that you're saying like it it's so it's so hard and it's so much harder even to talk about and like finding I'm I'm glad that I'm going through it just so I could talk to you about it too yeah. like but what you're saying about the anxiety like some days are great and some days are just pure shit mm-hmm. I think that's a, that's part of it like I don't think that that's abnormal I think that's part of it it goes in waves and just accepting that like today's a good day tomorrow might not be such a great day and then the next day might be worse but then maybe there's going to be you know that right that like surrendering feeling or like mm-hmm. just because it's stuff that you can't control i think helps a little at least for me yeah i also see i think like it's a little bit opposite for me because i'm like I feel like I'm like we were saying earlier, like going into the unknown of like what that day or night or whatever mm-hmm. is going to be like. Like I like even like I didn't sleep at all last night because Jack's going through this regression, and I'm like, oh my god, like what's am I going to be anxious and tired all day, and I have to work, right. and then he's going to come home, and he's like going to be cranky before bed, and then he's not going to sleep again, and I just like it doesn't help. <laughs> yeah no but it is it is nice to know those sort of like to to point out how you're feeling like even just saying out loud like I feel a little depressed today yeah like I feel a little anxious today and just yeah. like acknowledging that that's how you're feeling makes makes the everything else kind of be like okay like maybe I won't be able to handle it but I know that like, at least I can sort of own how I'm feeling or something like that like I can name I it gray you know I agree. Like, you know where it's coming from. You could own it. You have the self-awareness to know what it is. And there will be better moments. Absolutely. I I agree with that for sure. Well, I hope both of us find someone to talk to. I (laughs) do too. (laughs) Sorry, this is so depressing. (laughs) This is so depressing. depressing. I also (laughs) wanted to bring up intrusive thoughts because it's another thing. I don't want to, I'm not going to go into it a long a long time but it was another thing that it was it's nice to have a name for mm-hmm. because it feels so fucked up mm-hmm. like knowing that like you have these crazy fucked up thoughts when you're doing something slightly dangerous not dangerous at all like walking down a stair yeah like oh god you know what i mean like when you have the and you you say okay that's just an intrusive thought it's pretty common and then it you let it go it feels so good to know that I have that like in my, I guess, box tool, 
tools in your arsenal my my arsenal of things of how do i deal with my fucked up self um but like but like that it's crazy like it is and i (laughs) and you know what i didn't realize that the intrusive thoughts thing was common and that was a sign of ppa i just thought that like i was fucked up in the head and I so when I had these things three years ago I just was like I'm crazy I can't tell anybody that I think these things right right there's like shame in it yeah and I'm like am I like a psychopath like why are these things Mm. coming up in my head and I mean no you're not (laughs) no I know but now I agree like knowing I'm like oh I've read about this I've heard people talk about it like this is real this is a thing I'm going to acknowledge it and then we're going to move on to the next yes and then if it gets bad, at least, you know, like, I know that now it's getting worse and I need to seek help or something right. like that. So, like, right. it's not you're not like constantly questioning what's wrong with me, what's wrong with me. Um, it's the same thing like we were talking about, like with the breastfeeding, like the knowing that you know that this it, it is while it doesn't feel normal, like it doesn't feel normal to cry every time you talk about breastfeeding. It doesn't feel normal, but yeah. it is. Right. It right. is. And that just that acknowledgement, that knowing that like maybe things aren't okay right now, but if it gets worse, let me speak to someone or let me speak to someone now so it doesn't get worse. Like that that kind of feels like a a light. And that's how I can be present today. <laughs> yeah, I I agree a hundred percent with that. Um <sighs> Should so we talk this, about positive things? Conversation. I'm so sorry, people. <laughs> I hope this helps people as the first episode did about, you know, all these frustrations and anxieties. Just yeah. feeling comfort that it's okay to go through this. And like making small, I, we also discussed this, like making very small baby steps go, as goals yes. is so helpful. Like not yes. being like, Oh, I'm going to take my kid to the city. It's like, okay, let's drive to the pediatrician. Okay, let's go to lunch. Like you were saying, like little baby steps. You let me just pump a minute less. Let me, you know, like very small things that you can handle, that you know that you can handle. They change so much because then you can handle the next little thing that you have. It's all about the baby steps. You can't, you have this big picture in your mind, but you can't accomplish that at once. It's Uh all the little ways to get there. And that definitely helps. Speaking of like the not sleeping, have you thought about sleep training or have you done any type of sleep training? (laughs) My God. (laughs) Okay. So um, I have read, no, no, no. Not so much anxiety. I mean, okay. Yes. In terms of like the control, so I don't know if anybody who knows me, I like used to count all of my calories, like need control in that. I stopped completely. So obviously I have a spreadsheet of every single thing that Mila has eaten since day one. <laughs> um, but <laughs> it's, it actually helps because I can notice patterns and stuff like that. But I did get a little bit obsessive about the schedule and I need to calm down um but I think that that I I read a lot of people who sort of feel that way yeah knowing though that newborns shouldn't really be on a schedule is very very helpful 
to combat those feelings of control. Um, but like a routine and little tiny points just to like certain things that I'm doing has has helped that. But yeah, so I've read every, I've read the 12 hours sleep by 12 weeks. I've read Moms on Call, which by the way, was not expecting all of the Bible chat. <laughs> I didn't of, read it. So there's a lot of like, like Lord stuff. But still I read it. In- interesting information. I watched all of Sleep in the City's entire course. <laughs> And then I also begged you for your schedule and (laughs) in a panic just so I can gather as much information as I can so that I could sort of make my own thing. Because what I learned is that you kind of have to follow your kid. Every kid is different. And whatever works for your schedule is also extremely important and not like scheduling your whole life around a baby. That's a huge key, but I have learned. And I think one of my, one time around six weeks, she skipped one feed and I was like, oh my God, we must start sleep training. And it was too early. (laughs) And by sleep training, I do not, I'm not doing the cried out. I could barely deal with her crying for like a second. I mean, just like sort of working with the feeding during the day so that she can drop things naturally at night. And she, what I, what I, learned from that day that she did drop a feed it was around six weeks is that that might happen but don't expect it to happen again for a little bit and which kind of helped because then I don't like feel like oh should I have to get my whole like life together what are the nap schedules and it was helpful for you to be like oh I didn't even figure out naps till like three months yeah and but I did I did like learn everything possible and um, I'm sort of doing a mix of all, all of the things. And I was even asking, some people were like DMing me. I'm like, can you tell me how you did that? Not really asking every single person about what they did and how they did yeah. it because everybody, every baby is different. Yeah. But it is kind of nice. Like one, the other night, she sort, she slept through the, she didn't eat one time in the night. That's amazing. And I was like, holy crap. There was, there is light at the end of the tunnel, but yes. the, but what I learned from that first time was like, okay, I'm not going to expect her to do this again. Maybe it'll happen again in two weeks. But I just know that she can do it. And maybe she mm-hmm. can eat a little bit more during the day. Mm-hmm. And just like little things. And I was very proud of myself. It was a win. I was very proud of myself how I dealt that. It wasn't like a scramble or like a tornado. <laughs> like, we must get in place. Yeah. Um, so that that felt good. But also learning that every baby, baby is different is helpful in the fact that like, just because somebody's kid slept through the night at that age doesn't mean that's going to happen for you. Right. And, or vice versa, just because it happened for you doesn't mean it's going to happen for your next kid. Um, if you choose to have one. So, or if you can't have one. So it's been crazy to learn about like naps and it's wild because you let, it's literally like having a baby is like all of a sudden (laughs) having to have the education of, a doctor, a nurse, a teacher, like everything, like, and you don't know anything. <laughs> and you so have to true. learn it all. And uh-huh. it's like you try to prepare yourself and learn before, but like you can't really apply it when you don't know. So, like, you can do that, but I just feel like you don't really absorb anything until you actually have the baby and you're like, oh, yes. okay. 
I was thinking like the because we said this last time and I really couldn't like point my like put a point put I'm sorry I don't know idioms I'm English was not my first language Um, (laughs) I like you put my finger on it but it's like all of this like the scheduling and like the nap windows and the wake windows and all of that even just the breastfeeding like back before you do it it feels like another language like yeah. you can't know it unless you sort of what's the best way to learn a language you have to immerse yourself into like the culture or like whatever whoever's speaking that language and that's the yeah. best way to learn and that is you it will take you forever to learn if you're not experiencing it but the minute you throw yourself in it you learn it really quick real fast and that's that's also something that helped me like deal with it because just the not knowing and being like oh, I don't know anything like how am I going to go into this you just kind of learn so what is your schedule right now I know you've been like slowly working to it but what is she even on any specific schedule like what yeah 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 oh god <laughs> it's not a, but it, again it's not a schedule where where it's like you must do this at this time you must do this it's more so like she does this at this time so and that's like an important switch in my head because again, it you relinquish control, you let the baby sort of lead, but you mm-hmm. yourself put in little points of like, like little reference things or things that you can do every day. So I read that it's important to wake them up or not wake them up, have them wake up or feed them at the same time in the, in the mornings. So within 15, 20 minutes. So um, at seven o'clock ish, she eats. And then I'm trying to have her eat every three hours but again and with the max amount of time being four hours Mm -hmm. um but if she is hungry or crying i'm gonna feed her like Mm -hmm. there is no way i'm gonna push her to do anything that is uncomfortable Mm -hmm. she tends to nap either an after after hour after she eats like the wake max wake window is two hours is that i'm seeing she sleeps Mm -hmm. around 50 minutes i thought that was like really bad i thought they're supposed to sleep an hour and a half and no 45 minutes is like to an hour and a half max sometimes she'll sleep does right sometimes she'll sleep two hours and i'll be like okay but as long as it's not like at six o'clock and then i've learned and sort of the that i read which is also helpful is that nighttime bedtime is not that is not always so grounded in a time at this age yet and it's not, they're, they're still technically newborns. They don't go, maybe, I, I don't think she can go to bed at seven. She'll wake up like too early in the middle of the night. So my bedtime is around, now it's around like 8.30, maybe nine, she'll fall asleep. And then she will now wake up at 3.40. It's very specific. And now that that she can eat, that she eats like, what is it, like 24 ounces or weighs a certain amount of pounds, you can sort of push them at night in terms of like, I don't give her more than three ounces at night because right. um, yeah, like I'm not increasing have- the amount she eats at night. I'm increasing what she eats at, during the day. So her yeah. calorie intake is still the same. And if she wakes up starving like at one, I'm going to feed her. Yeah. But if she wakes up at like three, I'm going to try to push her to 340. Right. So that's sort of what I'm doing. And then at seven o'clock, we tend to wake up. If it's like, so, sometimes it's like, I'm like, look at the clock. I'm like, 7.30, we must get up. And I'm like, calm down, Aileen. 
<laughs> it'll be okay. But that's kind of where we're at. And it's good. It's nice to sort of get to know your child, I think, too, is like learning those like sleepy cues. Yeah. Is nice because I learned that from Sleep in the City is like the things that you wouldn't normally realize. And getting them to bed before they get cranky is another thing, which I used to think that the, the crankiness is the sign of sleeping, sleepy. It's like, no, you missed your window a little bit. Yeah. It's like the the staring out into space. I was like, oh, she's being so cute. Like, no, she's tired. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's cute. <laughs> or like the veiny eyes or like obviously a yawn. The red eyebrows. Yeah. Or, or I think that she just has ginger eyebrows because um, of Rusty. <laughs> so well, I... I know with Jack, his eyebrows get like not his hair, the hair, the like skin around it gets red. That's so cute. Yeah. But um, so that's kind of what we're doing now. And, you know, I totally I know that like regressions are coming like you're telling me you're going through and I'm terrified. But what, what is that like? I think we're currently we're currently awake at the same times it seems. Are we? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, like Jack was sleeping so well, like slept better than Oliver ever did. Uh-huh. And then um, a couple of weeks ago, he just is fussing all night. So I told you I started with solids, yes. which is I've shown I shown my whole family that video. <laughs> I was like, look really? how cute this is. So cute. <laughs> I can't wait to feed Mila solids. <laughs> He's even gotten so much better with the spoon since that video, and it's only been so like cute. a week and a half. So my doctor starts at four months, and like I feel like that's sort of like a newish thing to start at four months. You know, as long as they're meeting, like they have to be able to sit, not sit up on their own, but like sit up really well. If as long as like you're like holding them up. Um, or like sit up really well in the high chair, which Jack does. So just like really good neck control. Mm-hmm. So he was ready. And when I, we went to his four-month appointment, my doctor was like, he's ready. So anyway, I he's been eating and we try a new food every three days. And I'm not doing baby lead weaning. Maybe like in a couple of months, I'll try some of that. But like right now, I don't have the stomach for that. Just pureed food. And I don't know if it's messing with him because he turns in circles all night long literally just is like doing this like side yes the wiggle like the big yeah, clock like, whatever what was yeah, that show <laughs> literally the big comfy couch that's what it is where she does the clock thing with her body yeah oh my something. god whoa throwback um <laughs> and so he's he's like whining all the time and he's up at like last night he was up at 12 and then he was up at three and then he woke up at five for the day and it's just like out of control and then I try and soothe him just by holding him he actually like pooped one of the times so I changed him whatever and the only thing I could do that helps him is putting him on my boob I don't even know what he's getting because I feel like I'm not even producing that much anymore it's a comfort thing he's not eating he's like latching on and then within a minute he's closing his eyes I just think he's going through this like this separation anxiety, which I know is part of the four-month regression. Um, And what's frustrating is that, like, Noah can't go in there. Like, by the third time, I was like, no, you have to go in there. Like, I'm done. And it was a disaster. I ended up having to go in there. So it's like, I don't even know what to do. I don't even know if anybody could help me because it's just, like, this comfort thing that is very frustrating because he was sleeping so well. So I'm hoping – I and. I think I might even try like not giving him any food 
the next couple of days and see what and happens. seeing what happens. So, but next step. But he's but, four months, right? Well, he's going to be five months actually next week. But isn't it like a? Isn't that the time for the regression? The four months. It is. It is a time for the regression, but I just had noticed that it's gotten worse once I started giving him food. Like he seems mm, uncomfortable at night. But because he's totally fine during the day, I just don't know. It's so weird. Yeah. Yeah, no, I don't know. But maybe um, anybody who's listening, if they've experienced <laughs> oh. the same thing, DM Betcha's mom's, Brittany's on the other end of that. And um, maybe like share anything you've learned. Yeah, please help me. But the video of him eating the little... Like so sweet potato cute. is just he just like loves it. he, just loves, he it. loves food so loves it's it so sweet he gets so pissed at me when I like can't feed him like when I can't get the spoon to his mouth fast enough he's like oh that's that, <laughs> that was the cutest thing he's like, ah, ah, like a little baby bird uh huh he is. All right, so we've had a lot of heavy discussions this episode, mm-hmm. which is good. It's great. It's great that we're talking about it. Um, but what has been the most rewarding thing about motherhood so far? Um, yeah, no, I agree. D- dark, dark. It was sort of got a little um, heavy, but I think hopefully we gave like good um, sort of advice too in, yeah. in what we've learned through, through going through this stuff. But um, rewarding things there's so many i mean we also didn't touch on that last time and there's so many like this is what makes it all worth it my favorite thing is when she wakes up from a nap or the morning and like i haven't seen her in a while you know yeah and then like she'll do this like make a smile like i've even taken like a screenshot on the nanit which i love the nanit by the way but i hate their breathing technology um (laughs) i the smile is so cute. And then I, she sort she looks like me sometimes, I think. She does. I think she looks just like you. Well, she sort of sometimes looks like Rusty if you see his baby picture. But I, she, like, I see her for the first time almost, it feels like, over, like in a while. And then I, like, see myself in her. Like, it's the weirdest thing. And I'm like, oh, my God, it's my baby. And it's, like, <laughs> so, it's, I don't know how to explain that moment, but it's so sweet. That, like, smile makes it's just it's just it's such a warm it's like a hug yeah you know it is it feels so good and like their little hairs are sticking up when they wake up from that nap because they're yeah. like rolling around she doesn't really have much hair but yeah <laughs> i brush it though that's so fun to do like frida has this cute like like the little little brush that i like use to brush her yeah. hair after after a bath she loves bath time that is the sweetest also because I can keep her in there forever and I'm just like splish blast with your feet and she Aww. loves it. Um, another rewarding thing that not necessarily has to do with her being cute is when I found out that she um, has that protein allergy was that she um, pooped a little too many times in a short window. It was like two hours and she pooped like three times and I was like, that doesn't feel right. And I, at the time, um, our baby nurse was there. I was like, what do you think? Like, does that feel normal? She's like, no, I don't think so. But um, do you want to call the pediatrician? I was like, yeah, let's go. I'm going to call the pediatrician. And I called and they're like, you don't have to come in. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to come in. And and I did. And it I turned out to be right. And the doctor was like, you really used your intuition and your instinct. And it, it you, you caught it. A lot of people don't caught it because the, there was no blood in like, her stool it was a cult so they had to do a test anyway i wouldn't have i would have missed it 
um, if I didn't feel like something was off. And that was like such a rewarding feeling of like, because that instinct doesn't come in right away. Like, you're not like super mom, you know, I, I, like I said, I thought I was stealing someone's baby from the hospital. <laughs> like, it was, it felt so rewarding to like, oh, wow, I'm getting to know my kid. And in this moment, I caught something that like will help her pretty, uh, we had to switch the formula right away. And it was just, yeah, that, that felt good to me. So I think it's a great point to make that like your mommy instincts didn't happen right away because I think that gets to a lot of people. They think they're going to have a child and then all of a sudden they're like, I'm a mom. I could do anything. Uh And it's really like not how it is. It's a slow thing when you when you and your baby get to know each other and Mm -hmm. then it slowly happens. Yeah, absolutely. And I I actually didn't expect to sort of get to know Mila right away. Like I didn't think it was going to. And I don't feel bad anytime I like don't know something because it's like, okay, it's just sort of like a, she's also changing. So yeah. like, you, you can't expect to just know every cry is this or that or this. It's like a guessing game. It's a process of elimination and you learn. So, but it felt really good to sort of like have an instinct, go with it and not right. feel like you're crazy and right. then sort of be right. So (laughs) who doesn't love to be right? But (laughs) that, yeah, that was also pretty rewarding. Um, Yeah. What's rewarding for you? Oh, gosh. (laughs) I haven't thought about this. Not a lot at the moment. (laughs) I just, I I agree. I think getting them from, like, I'm actually waking up in the morning to get them from their crib to start the day as tired as you are Uh is still the happiest, best moment. Because they're so happy usually. It's so And like cute. I was saying, like Jack's hair sticks up and he gets yeah. really excited and smiley. And like that's really rewarding because you know they're so excited to see you. Yeah, that and is like, true. And like it just shows, it shows you how much they love you and how much they need you in their life. And it's just, uh huh, it's Agreed. so amazing. Um, yeah. What's the... What's the one product you've had so far that you feel like you now could not live without? I love the Nanit. <laughs> I've told you a hundred times. I it's it's love hate because I hate their um, like the breathing thing. Like I don't want to know that. I did, we did it one night. We had a bad night. The their, the red alert went on and it said no. no breathing detected and it was a false oh. alarm. But like in those moments, I literally almost had a heart attack and passed out. But I did stay calm, but inside I was panicking right? Um, because it was so loud and it was a false alarm and that happens with the Nanit. Sorry. But that said, I love the actual camera. You can zoom in to see like as their eyes are closing and that I enjoy a lot because I sometimes hide under her bassinet and like while I'm rocking her and I just look at my phone to see if she's falling asleep so she doesn't make eye contact with me and like stay awake. <laughs> I swear to God, because like she has FOMO. Wait, and- <laughs> I, could you back up for a second? Yeah. She's in your room. Yeah. But you have the nanit on her. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Why wouldn't I? I because... <laughs> I can't handle this right now. It's great because I can like sort of without going to check on her and like moving and like accidentally waking her up. Right. I can just look at my phone and I can just zoom to see if she's actually falling back asleep. And I'm like, this is great. And now I'm learning to trust that she can fall back asleep and it's great. But yeah, I have it set up there. That's amazing. (laughs) Oh, I guess is she like directly next to your bed or is she to the side? She's directly next to your bed and 
you have yeah. that. She's directly. Okay. Oh, but what I like about the halo bassinet <laughs> is that it swivels really cool. Yeah, and does. you can like position it however you want. You learn to like hit it with your hip so you can put it, <laughs> her in in the right way. But um, yeah, no, she's directly next to me. <laughs> and Rusty and I switch sides sometimes. I beg him to switch sides with me in the bed because I don't like she'll she, she's she'll stir and I'm a really light sleeper. And um, yeah. Well, once again, we've just talked way too much and too much. there's so much more that we want to talk about. So we're going to have a part three. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. I need, yeah. I'm coming back to work soon anyway. So we'll have a part four, five, six, seven and yeah. beyond. We're going to have a podcast. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Um, well, that's it for this episode of the Betches Moms podcast. Don't forget to rate, review, and follow us on Apple and Spotify, and to follow us at Betches Moms on Instagram, and to follow Aileen at Aileen. And remember, there are no rules on this podcast. I'm not like a regular mom. I'm a cool mom, right, Regina? Please stop talking. <laughs> the Betches Moms podcast is produced by Sean Kilby and Jorge Morales Pico, with hosts Aileen Drexler and Brittany Levine. Editing by Stacey Wong. Social media by Brittany Levine. Guest booking by Nicole Pellegrino. Be sure to follow us at Betches Moms on Instagram and send us your emails to moms at betches.com. Betches.